having FPL withdrawals, let's talk about it. It's episode 96 of the Fancy Football Surgery Podcast. Okay, coming to you on the 6th of June 2018. The season is well and truly over. We're all having withdrawal symptoms. So what better way, Iceman, than to get loads of people together and just chat about FPL? Oh yeah, what better way? And to get them all all on, all at once, so that they can all talk over each other, which I'm sure is going to happen as well. And, uh, and I think you, you need to apologise to the community for your selfish act of going volunteering, fully paid by yourself in another country, and not doing the last two podcasts. What have you got to say for yourself? I know, it is a shame. I am sorry, listeners, but we're back. I'm making sure that we got this one together. We're going to have a great episode today. We've got loads of good guests on, so it should be good. Hopefully this will make up for it. I don't think anyone's going to hold that against you genuinely. I think if they did, they're genuinely bastards. So, you know, great, great job to you. Great effort for going to do that. Excuse me. Um, but we have got a lot of decent guests on today, haven't we? Perhaps more than ever. Yes, I think this is. I think it's the most we've ever had on. How many have we got all together, including us two? There is... There's eight of us. Eight, there's eight, yeah. So All on, all on one dial-up line. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how it's going to work. Shall we? Uh, shall I introduce the squad? Yeah, go on then, go for it. Waxing lyrical and reminiscing over the FPL season. First of all, we've got fancy football tips to Brian, great contributor to our Slack channel. He's been running yeah, the score predictions all season, keeping us entertained. Welcome, Brian. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. Great to have you on. We've also got a, a Matt heading in your direction, so you're going to be the proud owner of one of those Matt. How do you feel about that? That's the only reason I'm here. <laughs> it, is, it is a great selling point Brian I'm, I'm going to ask everybody this but where, where did you finish in, uh, in FPL this year uh, I finished 180k which I was quite delighted with after a, a very poor season uh, I think pretty much my report card says much try harder <laughs> must try harder for next year well, we'll get you to reflect on uh, some of the things you did well and not so well this season thank you Brian we'll come back to you next on we've got FPL editor Craig welcome back sir Cheers, Bully, and the team. Thank you very much for having me back. Great to have you on board again. Craig, um, where did you finish this season? Uh, I finished in the top 5K. I think it was 4,500th this year, so not too bad. That was just ca- casual. Oh, I finished in the top 5K. Yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> yeah. How are you supposed to deliver it? Yeah. I, I don't know. Has top 5K. Yeah, I mean, um, is, that, is that your best finish ever? Um, I have had a top 5K before. I don't know if it's exactly my best finish or not. I'm not too sure. You're, you're going to get in the General's Elite League at this rate. I think, actually, you can. I think I'm already in it. You're already in it. Nice. <laughs> it's just so smug. <laughs> we are amongst greatness here. <laughs> okay, cheers, Craig. We'll come back to you in a moment. Now, a, um, a podcast regular. Uh, been on across the uh, the previous seasons we've done this. We've got Mr. TC, Tom Campbell. Welcome back. Hi, Bully. How's it going, mate? Very good. You, you've become an engaged man since we, we last had you on, is that right? I have, and, and you've gone and got yourself married as well, so congrats to you as well. Yeah, a um, little warning about that. I'll, I'll tell you that off air. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> great to have you on board, though, TC. Um, again, for, for yourself, where did you finish? Um, one of my worst seasons of the last <laughs> few, um, I think of the last six, actually. I finished uh, 112K, which actually was the the high point of my season looking at the overall ranks week on week so yeah pretty disappointing but um stuck with it till the end 
Better luck next year. I think that's going to be the theme of the yeah, podcast. Yeah, that's the theme, sure. Just to put it out there, Pete hasn't broken up with his wife or anything, just in case <laughs> anyone thinks that. Um, yeah, I'll talk to you about that off-air, I suppose. Ports, another regular of the pod. Welcome back. Evening, gents. Great to be back. Thank you for having yeah. me. Great to have you on board again. Horts, how did you fare this season? You're absolutely flying last year in our mini league. So, how did you get Yeah, 12,700. So, quite pleased with that, but just just missed that 10,000 by nine points, which was a, a slight disappointment, but I won my biggest mini league. So, that, that, was, the, uh, that was the important thing. Uh, results. Okay. Yeah, that's always the, uh, the bragging rights you want amongst your mates, isn't it? Oh, yes. Excellent. Okay, so we've got Alex Ball on again. So Alex Waterbaby, as we know him, welcome back. Morning, boys. How's it going? Very good. And uh, you'll be pleased to know that I now know that your surname isn't Waterbaby. <laughs> I know, because, well, to be fair, Ball isn't a huge amount less entertaining, but at least, yeah, it isn't Waterbaby. You're completely correct. It's taken me 18 months to learn that, but I'm there now. Great to have you back on board. How did you get on this season? Oh, around 17k. So uh, yeah, could could have been a lot worse. Could have been a, a bit better. Still pretty decent finish though. We've got uh, we're in good company here with the finishers. Um, Justin Dye, welcome back. Thanks for having me back, guys. Happy to be Can on. What time is it where you are at the moment? Uh, quarter to three in the afternoon. Quarter to three in the afternoon. Okay, join us in the uh, pretty much the middle of the day. Thanks for that, Justin. Um, how do you get on this season? Uh, best I've ever finished, just outside of the top 5K on 6,010. Wow, very impressive. Again, how many top 10Ks have you had now? Is this the first one? Including this one? One. <laughs> okay, okay. so another season to go, and then you'll be in the Generals Mini League for the Elite. Good stuff. Great to have you back on board. So Iceman, that brings me back to us, and we had very opposite seasons. I didn't finish in a great position at all. In the end, I was 146k, which actually, to be fair, after the start and the mid-season I had, I jumped quite a few positions yeah, towards the end, so I was quite happy with that in the end. Yeah. But you had a pretty decent season, did you not? Yeah, not too bad. I mean, last year I finished 8k, and I wanted to improve on that, and I finished uh, 3.5k. Yeah. Well, that's all right. Hey, here we well. go. Here we go. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping for, for better next season. I'm always trying to improve. Always looking for perfection, that one. Mm. I was actually competing quite closely with uh, with Justin there towards the end, and I just pipped him, which uh, I was very smug about. And I'm sure this is the first <laughs> time you've mentioned it to poor Justin. <laughs> yeah, I did, did mention a few times, but then I was away, so I'd, I didn't get enough bragging rights. But just uh, just say it again, unlucky Justin, unlucky. Talked his trouble and then ran the other way. <laughs> so um, we need to announce the top 10 final of our uh, podcast mini-league, don't we? Yeah, we do, yes. So in 10th place, we had the Green Butchers, Georgie Arnadov in 10th. In 9th place, Andrew Ferguson. 8th place, Jay Loggerwood. 7th, we had Marlon Rattner. We had Stevie Sunshine in 6th place. Jeremiah Johnson in 5th. Joe Stone in 4th. David Isaac with uh, Gangsters Allardyce in third, Demir Tanay in second. Oh, but leading the way, winning the league, uh, fairly convincingly in the end was Rizwan Chowdhury with a 22-point lead over Demir. Yeah, it 
got it got very close towards the end. Demir, David, only finishing two points apart. Rizvan, well earned though, but he was second in the world. It's disappointing that he didn't win it. We were rooting for him. Finished 18th overall though. So yeah, absolutely brilliant last week as well from Jeremiah Johnson with 102 points. Very impressive. Mm, yeah. Um, We've got a few um, Fancy Football Surgery podcasts, Matt, still to dish out. So if you are due one, it's very much going to be on its way soon. Should we get into the meat and bones of the show? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, so we've got some questions that we passed out to all of our guests on here tonight. If you want to just go through those. Lovely. Okay, well, let, let's do that then. We'll, we'll, um, we'll kick off. Our first question for everyone to think about is what you did well this season. So the best decisions... And I suppose we're thinking about how that influenced point game there. So um, we've set Alex up to go first in this one. So, Alex, do you want to answer that one? Well, I, I think I look back at my season of, of, and the high points, and I got to around 4K, around game week, sort of 22, 23, 24, 25, and then it all went a bit wrong after that. And looking back at that, and I, and I think it's a, it sort of stems into the following questions you've given us as well, but it, at that point I was playing my own game. And as I got up to 4K and started to think, oh, I can get the top 1K, I started to look more at Twitter and things like that. And I, and I stopped following my own game. So up to that point, the players I brought in were based on research I'd done, who I wanted to have. I think that the key player, just thinking about it, was was Alonso. Because do you remember he hit a real purple patch around then? And he, he was scoring or assisting quite consistently. And a lot of people had gone to Christiansen. And, you know, it was a million and a half saving. It was very tempting to do the same. But I'd watched a few Chelsea games and he was playing so far forward. He hadn't really been returning, but I was like, no, no, I'm, I'm sticking with Alonso. And at that point, he was, especially in a lot of my mini leagues, he was a massive differential because, you know, you could pick up a Chelsea player for a lot less that was looking like he was going to start. So Alonso would be an example of, of you know, a player I was, I was sticking by and wasn't going to move off. And I had two or three. A couple of them were differentials. A couple were everyone had. But that really saw me sort of creep up the rankings quite quickly there. And, and I think, yeah, that was that would be my key thing is, is play your own game. Stick to what you want to do at the end of the day. If, you, if you're following what you're wanting to do and the, getting the players that you want to have, you're going to enjoy the game more. You know, if it, if it fails, it fails. But at least it's your your strategy, your game you're playing. And I think, yeah, when you come on to the next question, we'll find that's probably where I went wrong as well. Yes, a good learning curve for you there then for next season. Trust in yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been playing this game a long time, so it's, 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 it's almost one of the first rules to think about. But I think it's like all of us, you know, it, there's so much information out there today. You know, there's, there's so, many, so much content on Twitter. There's so many websites, so many podcasts, you know, clearly this is the best, but, you know, there's so many <laughs> podcasts around and, you know, they're all giving very, very good information. But it's, it, at times, it's obviously going to be conflicting and, and you've got to start making the decisions on, on what you want to do. But that's sometimes easier said than done, you know. Yeah, I think that's a great reflection. Let's um, let's come to Hortz next. Hortz, your your view on this one? Yeah, absolutely right. I certainly play your own game. It it caught me out the last couple of game weeks. I, I managed to get into the top ten k, which was which was my sort of target to improve on on last year. I think last year I got like nine thousand eight hundred. So I wanted like Iceman did this year, just improve on that. And I did that by game week thirty six. But then I had then I took my eye off the ball and almost started playing blocking tactics in my main mini league because I had a, a small lead, but not insurmountable. Um, so 
actually playing blocking tactics, it won me the mini league, but it cost me a top 10,000 finish. If I'd put in the players that actually my gut feeling was telling me to put in rather than put in blockers, I would have done far better. And, and so that's a little bit of a lesson for, for next year. Um, the big move for me was, uh, I don't know if you remember back in game week 17 when Morata, I think he got a one match ban or he got a small injury. And there was a question of, do you hang on to him? Do you stick him on your bench for a week? What do you do? And I made the move then to go for Firmino. And that, indirectly led to three game weeks in the next six weeks i went into the 90s three times in 19 20 and 23 all basically because i brought in Firmino instead of Morata. so that was the big that was the big move and i and brought salah in relatively early and he never left my team so i had the consistency of salah as well which which kept me up there but um yeah, some some good no, mixed with some bad. But gen- generally speaking, last year was interesting because I was in the top ten thousand for quite a while, and it was a question of staying there and staying put and you and, and and protecting your position. This year, I've had to really fight fight my way up there, uh, and it's been a continuous progression. And actually, almost more fun because you've got that target always ahead of you. So that was quite good fun this year. It was just a shame not to quite get there at the very end, but. Uh, <clears throat> is he gone? Did no, I finished. <laughs> he, he finished talking. It's your turn to talk, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my, my thing went dead for a second there. All right, thank you for that, Hortz. Let's move on to TC. Okay, so um, I didn't have you know too many massive highlights. It wasn't, as I said, it wasn't that amazing a season for me. But uh, did go back and look at some of the things I got right, and uh, happily there were some. Um, so got Solar in. Really, really early on in the season, I know some it took some people to uh, a while to realise he was a cash cow that you know needed to be milked all season. I was uh, <laughs> the other one was signing uh, Raheem Sterling in game week seven, and he stayed pretty much until the end of the season as well. He was awesome for me. And probably my best one actually was was signing Mares in October, and it was one of those FPL transfers where you know there wasn't a whole lot of chat about Mares at that particular point in the season. Kind of been playing okay. But it was just through the eye test. I'd actually seen him on match of the day two weeks on the spin and he looked he looked um, awesome. Not really returning massive returns at that particular point, but it's kind of comparable to Alex's observations of um, Alonso. So he got him in and uh, he did great for me for that uh, four-game week period. And then I risked moving him on and bringing Hazard in, which worked for one week. But then over the next three, that, that really bit me. But that initial signing of Mares before the community had kind of picked up on him was was a good one was a highlight for me uh Pete but you know not too many this season yeah Mares that was a bit of a golden time wasn't it because he just he went on that massive run and in the end yeah, I don't think it was far off the score he got in the season they actually won the league last year, so quietly great. yeah quietly had a really good season I've actually been doing some some stuff on Twitter looking at kind of things under the radar and Mares actually got three consecutive double digit returns four different times in the season so yeah quietly he was he was really really good last season and uh yeah he'll again be one to look at next year wherever he ends up playing yeah it looks like he might end up in sky blue potentially we'll see yeah possibly yeah there'll be another another you know thing to thing to work out what pep's gonna do there but uh, we'll wait and see nothing like another attacking pep player to confuse some <laughs> double game with. they need sure. him don't they yeah <laughs> um, let's come to Craig then. So, Craig, what went well for you this season? Uh, there were there were there were plenty of highlights, plenty of lowlights for me. I think the one thing that stands out particularly is the choice to play my wild card later. I always 
find myself battling with patience with FPL, trying to prevent my spell from just pulling the trigger at any given opportunity. And I typically play my wild card quite early on, perhaps in the first international break. So game week three, game week four. But I actually waited out this year uh, and played it just after game week seven uh, in game week eight. And that saw me rise from, at this point, 222,000 to 10K in four game weeks thereafter. So by the time we got to game week 11, I was already hitting 10K. And for me, it just gave me, I guess, a better rounded view of what was happening and the players to go for. Because we all see these players um, that just come out of the woodwork in the first few game weeks. And we're just so eager to get them in. But sometimes, obviously, it can be a little bit too early. And I think having just that extra time to understand who were going to be those players that were going to stand out. I think having those extra game weeks also established which clubs were probably going to likely play well over the season and like the Burnleys obviously came through. So Pope went in my team in game week eight, obviously on the wild card. Had I gone earlier, it could have been a Fabianski who of course did well, or it could have been a, a, a worse choice like a Begovic or something like that. And obviously they didn't really keep any clean sheets, but Pope was probably a standout for me playing my wild card later is certainly a standout uh, decision for me and another thing it will lead me on to the hits part but another another one for me is, is certainly uh, reacting quickly to star performances uh, again it can be hit and miss it worked for me um, I was weighing up Mkhitaryan in pre-season anyway and I didn't go with him in the end and, and when he started and played in that advanced position for Man United I thought right let's just go for it and uh, Salah as well I didn't start with him uh, even though again I weighed it up so I moved out Willian and Zaha in game week one. So I actually took a, a minus eight in game week one, which is, again, not not really uh, probably a, a strategy that would be well supported um, throughout the FPL world. But again, one that really um, sort of bear a lot of fruit for me. Nice. So something a little bit more out there. Maybe not everybody doing that at the same time. Brian, let's come to you. So what went well for you this season? Uh, for me, it's, I think, a couple of things. So. I guess one thing, the big lesson learned and the message to all of my fellow Mr. and Mrs. Averages is stick at it. I was about 900k, a million, around about uh, game week 30. Nicely done. And 700,000 places in about eight weeks. So it just goes to show that I think if you do stick at it and you do keep keep trying to plug away, that you can actually climb those places and give yourself a reasonable position. I think and, that, it's, sorry to come in there, I just think that's a great, that's great advice for anyone. Like, if it's so easy to down tools, like however many weeks into the season, because it, it can get pretty depressing. But that's another sort of testament or testimony there that if you stick with it, you, you can claw it back. And it feels awesome that, that you've done that it's through hard work. So, yeah, I know we said that last year as well, Pete and, and Jim, yeah. but clearly is a message from managers like, you know, don't give up. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and I think. The reason why I achieved that was was pretty much that I, I believe I did a really good job of getting through those um, double game weeks and the blank game weeks towards the end of the season. And I kind of put that down to two things. Essentially, I, I, I wildcarded in game week 32, which meant I had to have a plan to get through to the end of the season, particularly as I wanted to double game week in the game week 37. So really, I was planning my team around hitting that double game week in 37. And I think the key lesson learned for me is that that all turned out great. And the reason is, is that I had a plan and I was executing the plan because I was executing the plan. I was essentially forced into patience. So I didn't want to go changing the players just because they weren't performing at that point in time. Um, I was very patient, stuck to the plan um, and executed it and it all turned out great. I, I mean, that said, 
it's not that I wasn't flexible. I had a plan to bring Kane back for 37, and in 36, I changed my mind, completely changed around how I was going to reach, structure my money going into the final week and decided to, sorry, into the game week 37, decided to throw a bit of more money at the bench rather than bring Kane in. And again, it all turned out beautifully. So I think the two messages are stick at it yeah. and plan. And, and Have a plan. Much as you're being flexible, try to stick to the plan. Yeah, so that's too reactive. Oh, I like that. I think it's a really good point, as both you and Tom have said there, about just persist with it. And then, let's come to, to Justin last on this question. So, so Justin? So one of the things I noticed that I stuck with and worked out well for me almost all season this year was uh, having a lot of you know, mid-priced midfielders. I spent a lot of time with, you know, the likes of a Charleston and Gross and my team and then moved those guys on when it seemed like they were dropping off into players like Anatovich. And I got lucky with having Milievich for, what was that, the past 12, 15 weeks of the season where he was... Unbelievable player. On on the spot, it seemed like, every game. So, you know, that's where I found a lot of my points and a lot of my rises coming from was just finding value in those players that I think get overlooked a lot between the, the six and a half and the, you know, the eight million range. Yeah. So the mid price midfielders and getting them at the right time. That's a good shout. Definitely. Okay. Well, that brings us to the end of our first question. So let's move on to the next question. So Alex, what will you definitely not be doing next season? So what was your biggest mistake? So it probably links into the first one. I think you like that when I was doing quite well, I was playing my own game and then I had some, massive plummets almost impressively so so I was about 4k and then I managed to get down to 90k about 10 games later and, and I think I just did exactly the opposite of what I said did me well is I started listening too much to other people focusing on that um, Hortz was talking earlier about uh, getting off Morata and I was sticking on Morata rather than going to Firmino I had a plan at the back of my mind to go to Aguero when Jesus got injured and you know and captain him for those four weeks and I missed and then I backtracked listening to other people about how he hadn't played well and yada, yada, yada. And that, that meant that I didn't get on him for his four-goal hole. So the, the, like for me, those what I've done well and what I've done not well have gone hand in hand. And that's that's a big learning curve. And also, you know, we don't enjoy it when you, you, you're not doing so well. So you've got to play your own game. Enjoy it. Otherwise, you know, why, why are we doing that? And I'm question. I'm asking other people when I'm actually should be asking myself that question. You know, if, you, if you're not going to enjoy it, then 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 don't do it. So I've got a sticker. Just play my own game, just relax and enjoy it. And, and that's definitely what I'll be taking forward next season. Yeah, good reflection there. Let's go to Hawks next. Um, what would you be doing next season, sir? Um, what I won't necessarily uh, be doing next season is waiting to use the bench boost or especially the triple captain until the final doubles come along in traditionally game week 37 or what have you. Um, I took the gamble on uh, Raheem Sterling, for example, in game week 37. Man City had a couple of fantastic fixtures. And of course, he wasn't even on the bench for the second game, which completely negated the whole the whole reason for hanging on to the triple captain. I think with the big six, especially, a lot of them qualified for the later rounds of the FA Cup. Obviously, Liverpool progressed through to the finals of the Champions League and things like that. So we were at the risk of rotation going into those double game weeks. And, and whereas traditionally double game weeks are the things we cling on to, to use those really big chips, there, there may be an opportunity to just sort of cash in maybe the triple captain, one of the others a little bit earlier on, and you may just get an advantage. You may just get an advantage. And having said that, chances are come next season, I'll be doing exactly the same thing as I've done the last couple of years and hold on to them till late. But it's it's not necessarily uh, 
cast you know a, a sure thing anymore i don't think yeah, that's a good reflection um let's go to tc just on Horta's point I, I just wonder does anyone actually see themselves going through with that like risking a chip in a non-double because i've been thinking the same but when it comes to it, do you reckon, we'll, do you reckon anyone will do it? No, I, I just think the probability of the double game is just too high. So I think that that's more or less going to be the best option. I mean, this year I uh, I went through the triple captain at the end game, but I kind of forced myself to do that. It did turn out to be the right decision, but I still will go with the probability. And the probability is that two hits at a go, at a go is better than one. That's, yeah, that's absolutely <laughs> that's absolutely well that's the thing that that was the point i was making is that yes that's absolutely the case if they get two games and they play the 90 minutes or 80 minutes then yeah that's the best strategy but of course this last year of course if anyone had played their triple captain on salah in that first blank game week when he had his what four goals and an assist that was the best return of any player this year um a couple of years ago of course aguero in a single game week scored five goals against newcastle yeah you've, you've got to land them but if you land them you are laughing that's yeah. the thing i, I think <laughs> the, the, tri- the triple captain get their chip for me again i know we're going to get onto this so i won't digress too much but for me i think out of any of the chips that is definitely one of the chips that i would be prepared to play in the single and the reasons for that are because if these you, you have two games sure but they're normally very, very close together. And I, I always feel that there's just, you always get an underperforming game. I've had it with Aguero when he had Stoke and another team. You didn't really do anything. Um, and only managed nine points. And we've seen it with, with Kane and, and other players this year. So I'd certainly be up for doing it in that final game week because you know you're going to get a 90 minute player who is gunning for goals or assists for a certain reason, whether it's position in the table, whether it's, you know, chasing the golden boot. So I would, I'd be inclined out of all the chips. That's the only one probably. Yeah, I think I think I agree with you actually, Matt. I think it's the triple captain's the one that I could see myself gambling with. I think if you if you've got as close to assuredness of selection as we you're ever going to get, and you've got that plum fixture, um, plum home fixture early on, and they're they're in great form, then I think I could see myself doing it. it um, mm, it's all agreed. easy for me to say now, as you know, sitting here at the beginning of uh, you know June yeah. and, and stuff, and come October I might chicken out, but. Right now, as we sit here, it does seem feasible. So, yeah, yeah interesting thoughts. Um, Buddy, so in terms of stuff, uh, what I won't be doing, I was looking back, I think I made various mistakes. Um, but the, the main theme, I think, was transferring out players before what, in hindsight, you could quite clearly see would have been what I've labelled a predictable haul. So I've got three examples. Um, I transferred Kane out before he then went and got a brace away at Everton early on in the season. I transferred Morata out before he got a hat-trick against Stoke. And I transferred Aguero out before Burnley away, which is a tough fixture, and he didn't actually score in that. But then he got 21 points in the following game week against Leicester at home. Ouch, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, in, in a vacuum, they all look horrendous because, I don't know, for me, it's more acceptable if you transfer out one of your big hitters when they've got a really tough game. If they go on and, and do well in that, then... You know, you kind of got to say fair enough. Like yeah. a good example with that is I transferred Sterling out for one week when they were away at, at Spurs at playing at Wembley. And he, he had a really good game week. I think he got 10 points there. But I didn't feel quite so hard on myself there because that Tottenham defence was pretty mean at that time. And it's a, a tough away match. The other ones, they were just kind of, uh, it was a fool's gold really to lose them before such plum fixtures. 
Um, the other part was, uh, so that's something I'm going to look to avoid next season, is when I transfer a player out, I'm, I'm going to be thinking, are they likely to harm me in the following game week? Um, and if the answer to that is yes, then I'll, I'll be more likely to keep them. And the other one, I just want to <clears throat> mention Amino. I, I owned him from game week four through game week 13, during which that guy had two returns of five points or more, and neither of those were, were uh, double figures. So that's a, like that, you know, 10 game week period with pretty much nothing. So eventually sold him there, ran out of patience with him there. And then through uh, 15 through 20, he got four double digit returns. So I feel like I got royally shafted there, but that's kind of more of a sub story. I'll definitely, uh, no ill feeling to Firmino in terms of potentially owning him. It's just for prospective buyers of F- in FPL next year. Just be aware that Firmino, as good as he is, he can go on runs of being pretty damn quiet. Tom, what, what I'm hearing is you, you've basically been treated by bitter ex-girlfriends in your transfers this season. <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those seasons, Pete, where, yeah. you know, every time you make a transfer, there's there's likely to be a downside. And I got more of the 50-50s wrong this season than in previous ones. So uh, yeah. it's one of those seasons, hopefully, you know, bounce back next season and get more of them right. Of course you will. Yeah, it just happens with FPL sometimes. And we curse it when it does, when it comes off, how we love it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, let's go to Craig. So if you want to think about what you definitely won't be doing next year, Craig. I definitely won't be captaining Kane or sticking to someone like Kane um, consistently at the start of the season. My game plan was um, let's, there's loads of things that we can be focusing on with FPL, so let's try and mitigate that a little bit and focus on less things. So I took the decision to just stick with captain Kane, just 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 hold on him which which actually it, it did work um over the first sort of 17 or 18 game weeks in the end but it cost me dearly in the first three or four game weeks where i think he it didn't really get very many points at all i think after a couple of game weeks he literally had two or three points so uh yeah it was pretty pretty troublesome so i won't be doing that again i think uh, what i'll do is um i'll have a different approach for that next time so I won't be doing that. I'll be, I'll be looking at perhaps just just rotating it between three premiums and not being so rigid, um, and also just just moving quicker on trends. Going back to I guess my my opening point on what went well, I moved quickly on some star performers and they really um, performed for me very quickly, which is great. You obviously got to really focus on it, and it doesn't always work. It can be a bit of a fifty fifty thing, as Tom pointed out. Um, but I didn't move Otamendi in my team nearly quick enough. And when I put him in, I mean, pretty much he, he dried up thereafter. Uh, and he was kind of one of those ones where I should have been putting him in. But because he rose in price by, you know, whatever it is, we all, we're all, we've all been there where they go up and 0.4, 0.5. You didn't make the decision two weeks back and you go, oh, I'm just not going to do it. You, you've got sometimes just got to swallow your pride and go for it. Um, so, yeah, just moving quicker on, on, on the, uh, the, the performers. Yeah, so again, I think that's probably something that uh, a lot of us can learn from moving on quicker rather than holding on to players. Um, what about you then, Brian? What, what was your, your big kind of no-no for next season? Um, well, pretty much the same as Craig around captains. Yeah. <clears throat> I can't promise it'll be a no-no because I'm sure I'll make the same mistakes <laughs> again. I look yeah. at my captain in the first 30 weeks, I think. You know, I, I, I captain Jesus for a couple, he delivered. Marata for a couple, he delivered. Salah, Salah for a couple, they delivered. But yeah. I captained Sanchez too much, Hazard too much, Kane too much, and I got zero points from all of them. So there was a whole bad period through the first half of the season about getting captain choices wrong. And I think that was a lot about maybe it's the mentality that 
Oh, these are the premium players. These guys have produced so much in the past. I've had so much joy from the likes of Kane in the past around captaincy that <clears throat> maybe I was more focused on what the potential points were rather than what is this player most likely to deliver in this game. Yeah. Um, so I've got to somehow work out how to get that right moving forwards. Yeah, it's finding your own formula, isn't it? And being able to predict that. Yeah, so I think that's a good shout. Um, Justin? Oh, where to start? Uh, a couple of things that definitely stand out in my mind that um, probably shouldn't have done. Um, one of those, I early on, I had De Bruyne from week one. I think I moved him on after week four. Just, you know, I didn't see him getting any points. Everybody else in Man City's midfield and everybody else were doing big things. And I just, I, for some reason, I saw the value and didn't see him returning for the value. So I moved him on. And as we all know, after that, he decided to flip the switch and you know the rest is uh history another one of the things that i think i definitely need to take it easy on is uh, i kind of made some just silly plays i would think uh last minute moves that really didn't need to happen i remember one week i was toying around with the idea of Captain jones for uh i think it was probably around game week 12 or 13 and back and forth back and forth and then a minute before the deadline, I was like, ah, we'll see what happens and throw the captaincy on Jones, which, uh, I think that week he ended up, they got scored on the 40th minute or something or another. So, uh, maybe being a little smarter with some of my decisions and not playing around so much, even though it is just a game. Other than that, there really wasn't too much that I'm upset about. I mean, took a little more hits than what I think I needed to, but, you know, I'm sure we'll get on to talking about that. But overall, I would say just giving your high price players, especially the big names, giving them time to do what they're you know prone to do, and that's score you big points over the season, over the long haul. Yeah, so thinking long-term with your decision-making, I like that. Um, I'm aware from the last question, I actually uh, neglected to go to the uh, the highest finisher of all of us, the Iceman, so apologies <laughs> okay. for that, man. You are nothing but a bitter afterthought in my memory. So uh, I'm going to give you the luxury of answering two questions in a row, a bit like opening two doors on an advent calendar. Yes, I can't wait. So so what are the questions again? So what did you do well this season? Um, I think mine was was kind of really obvious, but I want to say it, but I just kind of picked the most obvious players. I didn't go for too many differentials. I mean, when looking at a player this season I just looked at if they were going to score well for the next three and their form and how how good that was I I wasn't necessarily looking for oh no one's no one's got him so I might I might get him instead I was just going for players which kind of a lot of people did have I mean if you look at player ownership obviously United factor was mad at the start of the season and they did actually do well you needed the likes of Lukaku Mkhitaryan, Pogba, etc. Or you'd actually fall behind. That was the kind of problem. So you kind of needed to get those players in. But uh, they did actually look like they were going to score as well. So I did have Lukaku at the start as well. I mean, you, you've got to give a look to value as well. Get those players which were playing over their price value or that was playing up to their price value. And then the players like Sanchez uh, was not at all. And I'm sure his price is probably going to drop next season. Um, going on to 
question number two. So it was what you definitely won't be doing next season. I think a bit along the lines of what uh, Brian was saying with the plan. I'll be trying to stick to my original plan the most. I mean, like be flexible as you can be. But only move off if you really believe that the method will work. I mean, uh, for example, Craig had the same strategy as me as well. Uh, His worked for him in terms of points. I didn't feel like mine worked as well. I did feel like when I was making my decision whether to play that second wildcard later and to have that triple captain at the end of the season, it was kind of a 50-50 decision for me. It was kind of, oh, this could work, but I could it could work if I stick to my original plan as well. I gambled it slightly failed I do feel like I was I was a little bit behind I I've kind of felt like I could have had a, a better finish and sticking to my original plan I think coming at the end of it looking back I think if it comes to a 50-50 decision regarding planning I may just stick to my original plan like it so I think yeah, Brian's point's going a fair way here about sticking to and trusting in your own uh, plan okay so we'll move to Alex next for the uh, for this question around um, the amount of hits and transfers you took and why? So I, I guess um, I probably took too many. Um, I, when things weren't going well for me, I tended to try and hit myself out of trouble and, and just took you know hits probably that weren't necessary. Um, sort of reflecting on some of the, the transfers I made, they, they, they didn't work out. Uh, I'm not against hits and I'll, I'll definitely be going making them going forward. You know, I think if, if, if a, a, a key player needs to be brought in and it's it's not for a a week or two weeks, then, then yeah, go for it. You know, absolutely, you know, take a few hits to, to, to do that. But if you, if you, if you're looking at it for, um, for, for a six week period, I, I well worth, I think it's worth doing, uh, taking those hits for, um, but not over the top. And I think, again, that's, that was my mistake this season is there was weeks when I took maybe eight point hits sort of consecutively. And so that was 16 points over two weeks. They didn't really pay off. So then, you know, you've effectively given 16 points to, to your uh, to your mini league rivals there, or or you you know you're dropping yourself down the rankings, and so I think yeah, just reflecting on what hits I'll be taking next season, it'll be yeah, just reduced amounts and for for the long term period really. Justin next, following Alex, uh, amount of transfer hits and why, Justin? So this season, I noticed I took a lot less transfers. I feel like than seasons past, and it seemed to work out. I mean. It, like I was saying, when we opened up, finished the highest I ever have. Um, I took 46 transfers altogether this season, and that would include 12 hits for a total of 48 points that I lost. I mean, looking back, I know there was definitely times where hits were necessary, but I really, I could probably have half that and got through the season with six hits, you know, a couple mini wild cards here and there. I was very fortunate. I didn't have a lot of injuries. Um, there was nothing that really forced me into the hits other than me just trying to step out there and maybe try and get one over on people and go, ah, you know, maybe I'll take a punt on this guy. And, you know, that kind of goes back to what I think I need to do better for next year as far as, you know, not taking as many silly transfers and unnecessary, you know, bringing in of players. Because if you, if you everybody thinks about it, you know, 24 points, that's that's a lot, you know, in the long term. It doesn't seem like that much when some players can get that in a week. But that could have moved me from, you know, 6K to, you know, 3.5K very easily and put me ahead in a lot more mini leagues, that's for sure. Okay. Um, let's go the other way. Let's go to Brian this time. Brian, amount of transfers, hits, and, and maybe why you made those decisions. Yeah, I think I'd like to go back over and say that this is possibly one of my biggest errors. Okay. 
I, I think I took two hits all season, and I think that's where I went wrong. Uh, certainly, in one respect, essentially, I think it now retrospectively feels like it took too long to turn the ship when I had a problem, rather than sort of paying my way out of it, sort of trying to plot my way out of it, which I guess didn't really work. And I, I think. Rather than like Alex said earlier about looking at the hit in terms of its improvement on your team over the the six weeks, I was too often judging the hits on this week, um, and basically based on this week, I'm not going to take the risk and I'll wait till next week. And because I was always waiting, I never ever made the transfers I think I really needed to make. A prime example, I went way too many weeks without Phil Jones, and that absolutely killed me. Every man in his dog had Phil Jones, got loads of. Uh, Loads of clean sheet points, loads of bonus points. And I think by the time I jumped on him, I think Man United had turned off a little bit. So I think where I need to focus on the future is when to take the hits and actually take them rather than being too conservative. Nice. It'd be a bit more cavalier with your uh, with your approach to transfers, maybe. Maybe it's too, too uh, yeah, withdrawn about taking hits. Um, OK, Craig, what about you? I made 45 transfers and spent 44 points on hits. The transfer benchmark wasn't too bad. So just to compare those 45 transfers to last year's top 50 in the world, they made 41 transfers and the all-time top 50. So based on the Hall of Fame top 50, they made 47. So I was kind of in the middle of that. So it wasn't too bad an area for me and it has been in the past. Going back to an earlier point that I made where I, I actually made two significant point hits last year of eight points, but only made two of those, never made any more than that. And both times they worked. So again, I, I might look at this, a similar strategy this year. It's, it's a bit of a risk, but if you do see a player like a Salah, and again, it is very early on, but you wanted to go with them and you feel that they've got good run of fixtures or what have you, and you have, say, a Zaha that gets injured in game week one or something like that that occurs I'd say just go for it early on because you can make it up um, after game week two I was actually 3.1 million I had 82 points it was absolutely dire and I was like wow all of this preparation and planning and I'm miles back and had a terrible start but because I made those point hits early on uh, I was able to bring Mkhitaryan and Salah in, as I've pointed out and they averaged 5.9 points per player over the next five game weeks. So uh, they actually brought in 59 points, which again, didn't come from a William or a Zaha. And admittedly, Zaha was injured, but I'd, you wouldn't have found another player like that. So I would say sometimes if you do these, it's it's fine. So those eight points that I spent after game week one and game week two, I then did not make a hit again until game week 14. So you can be a little bit more patient. And then I waited for my wild card. The only other time that I did this was for the first double game week. It was the small double game week where West Ham and Spurs had fixtures. And I brought in Sun. I had two transfers and I brought in Sun, Ali and Altovic. And then finally brought in Otamendi. But that was obviously that mistake that I referred to earlier where I didn't bring him in early enough. But Sun, Ali and Anatovic all did get points over that double, and but not enough. But they did actually get points in the in the subsequent game afterwards. Uh, if you, so if you remain patient, you would have actually... Um, done well out of that as well so for me yeah the hits went quite well this year to be honest and uh, transfer wise I was okay um, I think it's again it's it's the magic word be patient in FPL um, okay so let's go to Tom for his view on this so hits transfers and why Tom alrighty oh bully um, I made 48 transfers this this season which is a few more than I'd normally make I think the last yeah. few seasons have been around 44 mark 
think 41 two seasons ago and like Craig was saying the top 50 average is was 41 I actually think that's that's not a bad number because obviously one of the chips this season for the first time was the free hit chip which would have negated the need to make any transfers in in the given game when you you know use that chip so actually had less game weeks making transfers I took more hits than usual as well so I had 14 weeks in which I took points hits or 14 points hits rather I should say this season which again is a little bit more than usual so there definitely seems to be a correlation between less transfers for me and better performance. Um, that may be because I'm sort of chasing points and what have you, but correlation does seem to does seem to take place for me. Nice. And uh, Hawks, finally, what are your what are your thoughts on this? How did it go for you transfers? Yeah. I, I, I'm the same as Justin, 46 transfers, which led to 48 points in hits. So 12, 12 sort of hits. I think two or three of those were definitely injury based. So I was sort of forced into those, but the, the rest of them were, I think, reasoned, reasoned arguments with myself over the course of a week, whether to take a hit or not. And, and, and having bitten the bullet and done it, most of them paid off. I had a look, the, the 12 hits were over 11 weeks. I had one eight point hit, which was on the, the bench boost week in game week 34, which ended up being the only week I scored over a hundred points in a week. So that was definitely a plus. And over the actual 11 weeks, I think I got green arrows on eight and red arrows on three. So they paid off. But again, you don't want to go too mad. You've, they've got to be justifiable hits. You can't do it every week. But if you see a player that's definitely running into form with great fixtures and you haven't quite planned it right, it's definitely worth biting the bullet and, and, and jumping on rather than not do the move and then watch them rack up the big scores because you'll kick yourself afterwards. But just keep say keep keep them sensible. And then I think it's 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 worth using, you know, bit by bit. Yeah, so, uh, so in moderation, the transfers. Iceman, yeah. final uh, any thoughts on this question? Yeah, just a quick one. I did 42 transfers, which was uh, relatively low. So that was eight hits worth 36 points. I managed to hold off on hits until game week 16 because um, I feel like the first part of the season, you're really trying to get a team together. You're doing all that research pre-season. Then you play your wild card. So you want to try and leave that as lengthy as possible, in my opinion, because you want to have trust in your players which you've done a load of research on so they should be coming through for you obviously uh, like Hort says injuries can mean you have to take a hit I was at 25k game week 16 that was just after I took a hit because that set me up to uh, to get Aguero in uh, game week 19 that was my plan that's why I took the hit in the first place and now I captained him and he scored two and uh, got an assist so it, it did work out for me taking that hit not for those particular players which I got in but for the reason why I took the here you've got you've got to keep that plan in mind okay wise words from the uh, the high finisher there so that's going to bring us unfortunately to we actually had more questions to ask the panel but uh, what we didn't anticipate was just how much good stuff uh, no we did anticipate the good stuff just how much of it before i uh, disregard our guests so yeah what we're going to ask the guests to do is to write a nice man's uh, assure me they've all agreed to write a brief book, chapter and verse, on their answers to these final three questions concerning wildcards, captaincies for next season. So we'll just whack them on the website. Unfortunately, we did want to get it on the pod, but it's gone on over an hour now. So we do need to do a quiz as well, and some of us need to get to bed. Yeah. So having thought about the past, let's look forward uh, to the future with this next one, Matt. So must-haves for next season. Alex, who's first on the shopping list? Um, I, I had Mohamed Salah down as as the the first person I'll be putting in, 
Um, and, and I'm, Salah, is he? <laughs> I know, I know. This is this is what worries me. This is what worries my eyes, man. I mean, if if they're going to put him in at sort of you know anywhere 13, 14, and then you're starting to look at say one or two other big players. That's that's yeah. a massive chunk of your um, <clears throat> your, uh, your your hundred million gone already before you've even thought about trying to fill the other spots. So I genuinely don't know at the minute who who my must haves will be. I mean, I know there's every, there's a lot of buzz about is it Sessignon, the guy from Fulham, who oh, may yeah. come in as a as a nice budget enabler. But um, so I'll definitely be keeping an eye on him. But I think yeah, as for must haves, I. I haven't really given it that much thought. I think it will, I, I think one one tactic that I am interested in looking at is possibly playing three five two next season, because I think you know this season if, if things carry on, we could have the 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 value is in the midfield, and I think that was what we saw this season. So whether we go away from having a big two and a big three, and maybe it is literally just a Harry Kane and two cheaper options, and then putting our money into midfield, then, yeah, that, that might be something that's a bit different. OK, well, um, we want to... Alex has actually got to uh, leave us now. So, Alex, thanks for joining us for this. Yeah, cheers, Alex. No, no worries. The education system of New Zealand is relying on me, so I, I better get to work. Go and save the children. We look forward to having you on board next week. Yeah. Hey, uh, been good to chat, boys. And, um, yeah, I will uh, I will see you all next season and um, have a lovely World Cup break. See, see, see everyone that's on. I, I'm sorry I didn't get to chat too much to you, but uh, I'll, uh, I'll catch you soon all. Cheers, Bye-bye. Alex. Cheers, Alex. Love, love, love you. Yeah, love you. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's go to... I'll tell you what, actually, Iceman, I keep coming to you last. Who's your must-have for next season? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, fo- I formed a list kind of as I've been... You don't know, but you formed a list. Uh, yeah, but these, these <laughs> ne- not necessarily <laughs> must-haves. They're just kind of people that I'm looking at. I'm, obviously, with, with Salah, I almost feel like he should be a must-have, depending on price and fixtures, I suppose. But Liverpool look like they're going to have a great team next year. But I've got other people on my list like Talisman, like the likes of Arnie. Gross has just signed a new deal, so I've been looking at him even. Uh, Zaha, like those types of players. I mean, Robertson is probably another one which I'm, I'm going to look at, along with probably any of the Liverpool back line. They did really well towards the end of the season with Van Dyke coming in, and he's another one. And uh, our man, um, Aubameyang, he's so, so much consistency. He's going to be priced a lot higher, I, I feel, next season. And uh, maybe even Mkhitaryan as well. It depends how Arsenal start. A new manager could mean uh, good things for them. Obviously, you're going to need someone from City, but finding out who that guy is is just almost impossible at the moment. Some nice shouts there. Yeah, OK. Let's go to the uh, the panel on this. So let's start with Craig. Let's come to you first on this. Who are your must-haves for next season? My must-haves for next season will be, again, other than the obvious... Sane, Zaha and Aubameyang, I think, from game week one. With with no World Cup for all three of them, I think they'll be the first names on my team sheet. Uh, From a defensive perspective, I'll probably be looking at two players from the newly promoted clubs. Uh, So a Fulham and a Wolves defender feels good. In addition to a Man United defender, hopefully one of those will be reasonably priced as well. But yeah, certainly Sane, Zaha and Aubameyang, I can just see that they will, if I had to say I'd name a squad now, they would definitely be in my um, 15th. Nice shouts there. Yeah, Zaha, I think, would be very popular, especially if he uh, remains at Palace at the start of next season. Absolutely. Um, OK, let's go to Brian. Who's your, who's your must-haves for next season? 
Oh, mine's a, mine's a complete cop out because uh, I'm going to follow Craig on that. Um, <laughs> I, I haven't given any thought, to be honest, as in terms of the must-haves for next season because I, I, you know, I'm trying to detox from FBL at this point. Yeah, just trying to get The place my head was at was who's going to come back from the summer fresh? Who's going to basically not finish their games in July and then come back in? pre-season training in August, so on and so forth. So I was going to focus on looking at those players that are not playing in the World Cup or those that get knocked out in the early rounds like England players and then basically try and build my team around that. Yeah, thinking about players that um, play regularly for their club but not their country, the only one that springs to mind is Mark Noble at West Ham. But uh, yeah, I'm sure there's many more to be had there for sure. <laughs> okay, Justin, what about you? Who's your, who's your must-haves? So with it being this early and as many attacking options as I feel like it's going to be next year, I've got two players and they're both in back lines. And one is going to be Aspilicueta, who I had from game week one, I believe, on. Was a solid rock. Sucks up the bonus points, as everybody knows. And then the second one may be a little biased, but I'm going to go with David De Gea. I mean, I don't see a need to really have anybody else in goal. It worked out great for me all season. I could have played him every game and not shifted him out and probably would have done, you know, 20 points better off than what I was, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, as long as he stays at United again, I think it'll be a fairly uh, safe call. Be really interesting with the Spanish players. If um, Spain have a good a good World Cup, what that will do in terms of Barcelona and Real Madrid's movements, be interesting to see. Let's uh, let's go to Horts on this one then. Who, who do you fancy the next season? Uh, I'm very much along the lines of guys that are missing the World Cup. That that seems to be a theme. Um, I'm certainly in agreement with Zaha and Abamyang. Um, Salah, it, it would you would think be a must-have. He's going to be very much dependent on price and again whether he's fit and plays in the World Cup. Harry Kane, I think we should all avoid in August. We all know his problems in August, and obviously he's playing the World Cup. So he's he's probably from September onwards someone we'll be looking at. But I'm fascinated. Obviously, I'm a West Ham fan, as you know. Um, obviously, Pellegrini is now in as the manager. Um, very interesting stat. Apparently, in Pellegrini's last season at Manchester City, they scored more goals than this year's team did, which yeah. hopefully... Apparently so. So that um, that does lead me to hope for great things for obviously the mighty West Ham. <laughs> and um, with with us being linked to people like Felipe Anderson and things like that, of course, Mo Salah, it was his first year in the Premiership last year. And someone like Felipe Anderson coming in in a very attack-minded um, offence could actually be one of those little sneaky ones. If he's not too expensive, could be one of those nice little must-haves that by sort of week six or seven, we all wish we'd got. Yeah, is this a Felipe Anderson from Lazio? Yeah. Yeah, certainly look at the season playing off uh, Immobile up front. So you're at link with Pastore as well, aren't you? Uh, yeah, I think his wage his wage demands are vast, vastly in excess of what we're prepared to pay. I'm led to believe, but then, you know, it's, it's a lot of Twitter speak at the moment. So it, yes. but I'm saying he's just one. I mean, it's just that's just picking a name out. But, you know, we... The, the must-have may not even be signed yet. It, uh, you know, a lot of people were on salary in pre-season, but maybe we didn't all buy early on. But he was the guy at the end of the day, and he was new. Some people come in new, like um, oh, uh, Memphis Depay, for example, a few years ago at Man United, who was very heavily favoured, but he flopped. He didn't work in the Premiership. But those guys that come in and hit the ground running hopefully aren't going to be priced too expensively. They could be the bargains. Nice shouts. And... Um... TC. Yeah, finally, TC, I think we're coming back to. Yeah. 
Yeah, I love Hawks' shouts there. That's um, really, really uh, creative thoughts there. I think uh, I never thought I'd hear Mark Noble's name mentioned in a must-have. <laughs> yeah, but uh, there we go. I think um, good thoughts from everyone, really. I think the Aubameyang was the only name I was, I've was i got down. Because, you know, for must-have for me, I think there's uh, all things come in in terms of ownership. And like you guys have said, you know, time off in the World Cup. But if you actually look at, Obama Yang's last 10 game weeks of the, the season that's just finished, he averaged 7.9 uh, points per game week, which is awesome, and only one blank in that 10, 10 game period. So he's obviously taken to the Prem straight away. Yes, there's a new manager, but um, he looks like a great shout early doors. We'll have to check his price, of course, but I'm really encouraged by what I've seen with him. The only thing I, I did wonder about is whether or not we'll all be sleeping on Lacazette a little bit. And Actually, all the focus will be on Obama Yang. I actually think Lacazette ended the season really well. And it'll be interesting to see how they set up with the new manager and, and which of the two keeps penalties. So that's just a little thought I had there. Clearly, we've got loads more football to see um, happen over the World Cup. But initially, those are the those are the thoughts. And Pete, I just wanted to ask you, you were Mr. Harry Kane since you and I have been speaking on this yeah. podcast. What are your thoughts on Harry Kane game week one? Let's say he's let's say England have had an awesome World Cup. He's picked up the golden boot. Are you gonna are you gonna be there game week one with Sir Harold and, and the August thing? Be down. Do you know what? What are your thoughts? Let me let me just let me just add, Pete, before you do, because uh, Spurs won't be at home for the first four games. They've still got their stadium being built, so don't know if that's going to affect your decision there. But continue. Uh, last season, I didn't go with it because it was all a bit of a superstition, and I'm not that superstitious about Kane in August. But he's had another barren August, so now the science is telling me to stay away. So I think I'm actually going to go anti-Harry for the first time, TC. First time, wow. A huge step change big, in, big in the surgery. He's growing. He's growing. I'm a big advocate as well, Tom, and so I probably will as well. Yeah, I, I, I wonder if we'll look back on this podcast and, and, and wonder what we, were, what we were all thinking. But, <laughs> yeah. but what, it, what it's worth... Like, you all made good points though about the, uh, not just being an Arsenal fan, but generally you've got um, you've got the likes of Lacazette, Aubameyang, Ramsey. Sure. They're, they're all going to be dormant this summer. And, uh, so and you think they're going to have Salah coming in at what twelve point five minimum, probably more. Yeah. Uh, it, it's going to be really, really difficult to accommodate Harry Kane. Like Jim makes a great point there with the away fixtures, with the August uh, curse, so to speak. So I wonder whether or not we'll all uh, we'll all swerve him. Uh, next season. Yeah. He's going to be priced astronomically high still as well, isn't he? Probably sure. 13 yeah. million. So it's like four away games. You, I mean, you, I think we, us on this podcast, we'll all probably predict that his price will drop in those four first four games. But who knows? Yeah, we'll see. Interesting. Well, I guess we'll wait and see. But yeah, it was Aubameyang was the one that, that stood out for me, um, a bully. Good stuff. Thanks, TC. Right, Iceman, that wraps up the questions. And, and this particular pod. So I think what we'll do here is actually just kind of close up uh, this this pod. So that uh, takes us to the end of this particular installment of the Fancy Football Surgery podcast. As we said earlier, the rest of the questions will be answered in an article on our website, which I'll tell you how to access in just a moment. For those of you interested, we're going to keep some of the panel on for a further podcast and have a quiz. So look out for that. Um, I want to thank our panel of guests for joining us. Thank you, chaps. A pleasure, mate. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers, all. Absolute pleasure, as always. 
And um, if you want to contact the Fancy Football Surgery or find out more about us and look out for that article, go to www.fancyfootballsurgery.com. You can find us on Facebook by typing Fancy Football Surgery. Um, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and listen to us on the SoundCloud. We are also on Reddit. Um, you can uh, tweet us and ask us questions at FF underscore surgery on Twitter. You can email us, ffsurgerypodcast at yahoo.com. If you want to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com forward slash fantasyfootballsurgery to join the Slack channel, support the pod, and have a chance to win many, many prizes. Many um, I usually, at this point, uh, tell you how you can join our mini-league, but there literally isn't one. So, <laughs> soz. Um, all that leaves, though, is the Iceman. Yeah, well, thank you for listening, everyone. We appreciate all the listens and all the support that we've actually had this year. All the interactions on, on Twitter and via email, etc., has been brilliant. So thank you very much. And uh, thank you to all of our Patreon supporters as well. Uh, they've been great. They've been keeping us going. And thank you to all of the guests which we've had on. It's been really, really good. We've really enjoyed having you on. And for the uh, for the last time this season, I'm going to off the cuff here. Horts, can you um, <laughs> send us out to a comment about where the Iceman's going now? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's been a long season, but he desperately, desperately needs to go. It's time for the Iceman's piss. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, Brilliant. everyone. Up the pod. Up the pod. Up the pod. Up the pod.
Okay. Right, Brian, I love that. Yeah, just snuck in there. You're, yeah. you're the one that said love you. He is, isn't he? <laughs> Brian is much the comedian in uh, uh, Patreon, so it was definitely him. I'm not having it, Brian. <laughs> it honestly wasn't right, but I wish it was. Mm. <laughs> I'm insanely jealous. Who did it? Who did the smelly car? I haven't. I haven't... <laughs> Okay, so question four is, uh, when do we play our wild cards and chips? And what would be the plan next season? Alex, I'll come to you first on this. Uh, I'm always a bit fluid with things like this. I, I think it kind of depends on, you know, how your, your team is shaped up. Um, I played my, my initial wild card quite, um, quite early. Um, I think it was, uh, oh no, it was game week eight, eight uh, game week eight actually this week, which is a bit, a bit later than normal for me. Um, but it was just when my team needed it. So I think, yeah, everyone would be different. Um, I definitely wouldn't change it based on what I did uh, that I was quite happy with when they went um, at that point. Um, chips, I, I actually played a slightly different strategy. So I played my triple captain early on, Harry, I'm going to be sick and injured Kane. And that went down like a lead balloon. Um, and then played my free hit when a lot of people played their... Um, uh, played their their bench boost it and it was an absolute you, it? same strategy yeah, yeah. That, that's right mate and and you know it was an absolute disaster i dropped from 45k to 90k on the back of playing my free hit which i think in itself is almost an impressive feat you know to play a chip you know as an active <laughs> player and and literally drop from 45 to 90k in one week it just it was if you if you imagine the players that failed that week I had them. If you imagine the players that succeeded, I had none of them. Um, and of course, it was as as with all of us, you know, when you're doing things like the free hit or wild card, it was all the players that at some point or other I'd had in, I didn't bring them in, and they all did well. So it was just one. It was it was a fair chunk of bad luck, but at the same time, you know, I, I would definitely be quite happy to stick to the strategy we did. It would it mixed it up, you know, and it was a bit different to others. And I think that was what was nice about the chips this season. It allowed people to play differently. You know, in the past we've all sort of gone the same, but. With the free hit coming in, it actually allowed a, a few alternative strategies to, to maybe what a, a lot of people were playing, which which I think just makes the game more interesting. You know, it mixes things up, and um, I'm all for uh, all for trying things like that. Okay, let's focus on our captaincy choices now, lad. So, Alex, what have you learned from your your choices this season? Always captain Mo Salah, even though none of us did it. I think that would probably be the would probably be the key one. Um, I, I think you know we. We can quite often play, uh, try and try and be a little bit too clever with with captaincy, um, and I, I think you know this was a prime example this season where you know we had one captain who was uh, one person who was clearing clearing away probably the best captain, and I think most of us will reflect and go we didn't get on that bus quick enough, and I think maybe that's something we need to look to for next season. Um, for me, I think it will always be around the polls. So if, if there is a if there is a key leader in the polls, um, I'll probably just play safe and captain them. And then if the if the polls are split, so you know you've got a roughly fifty fifty with say Harry Kane and Mohamed Salah, like happened a few times this season. Maybe that's the week to uh, to go for a differential, just purely because you're 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 uh, you're not going to make as much, or you're not going to have such a damage, assuming you've got both those other players as well. So I'll, I'll probably continue just to play safe with the captain. I've I've never been someone that sort of really goes against the grain with it, and that that's I, I've 
full respect for people that do step away from it, but it's just, yeah, not, not the way I generally play. So that's probably what I'll take forward to next season. Fuck your editing magic.